Hello, Tea Crew, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Sha. Today, we're going to be getting into all the trending topics all over social media and the internet, and we're also going to be doing a deep dive into the strikes that are happening now in the entertainment industry, so you're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. All right, T-Crew, it's time to get into these topics. As per usual, there's a lot going on, so let's get straight into it. A brawl in Potomac. Now they have the friends of our fighting, and everything was caught on camera, of course, via TMZ, and this was wild. So the friends of that I'm speaking of are a new friend of Kiana, um, that we haven't met yet, but she is a friend of Wendy Osefo. And then we have um, Deborah, who is a friend of Ashley Darby. And we saw that last season that she said that she had an interaction with Chris. Um, and, you know, Candace just refused to talk about it. And it was basically just like a figment of Deborah's imagination. And then she got dragged all over social media um, for her like appearance and how she looked and everything. And so it was a whole debacle, but she did end up making it to another season. So I don't know. I was kind of actually surprised by that because I was just like, she was supposed to have this interaction with Candace about her husband that never happened. So I was just surprised to see that Deborah did end up coming back, um, onto the show as a friend of for another season. But I guess, you know, she brought something to the table. So they were like, yeah, we'll definitely have Deborah back or whatever. So, um, yeah, Deborah and Kiana were fighting. So initially it looks like Deborah threw a drink at Candace. Now this is from the grainy footage that we saw. And then some of the audio was actually released this morning. Um, but all you can really hear in the audio is Candace saying like, why has she not been thrown out? So anyway, so Deborah throws a drink at Candace and then the straw hits, uh, Wendy Osefo's friend of Kiana. Kiana then gets upset and her and Deborah begin fighting. Um, and Candace also picked up a bottle, like she was going to get into it, but somebody obviously had her put the bottle down. It's so funny because, you know, Candace cries all the time about being, um, attacked by Monique and violence is never the answer. But as soon as somebody threw a drink at her, she fully picked up, picked up that bottle and a bottle would have done a lot more damage than a drink. Just saying, cause I feel like everybody after the Chris Bassett storyline, Everybody started to kind of like Candace again, but I still don't like Candace. Um, anyway, <laughs> the friends of our fighting. I mean, I hate to see it on Real Housewives because there's so many more media outlets that are now like having full out fights on their shows. Of course, we have everything on Zeus where they're letting them fight. Then there's like now that's TV, different apps where they fight. And then they have Love and Hip Hop on VH1. I think, did it move to MTV? I don't know if it's on VH1 or MTV, but they also have physical fighting on that show. So I was just like, oh, I kind of wanted Real Housewives to be the only one that's like, we're above it all. We don't have, you know, these kind of physical fights on Real Housewives. You know what I mean? And they probably won't air it because of that. They want to try to keep the brand um, somewhat classier than the others, right? Um 
but yeah, that's, that's the situation on that. I just don't want the girls to feel like I can't make it on this show unless I fight, especially in Deborah's case, because Deborah really came on to engage a cast member. It didn't happen. And they still asked her to come back, um, to be a friend of again. So it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to take it this route, but I understand drinks are flowing, you know, the situations are as they are and you get hit with, you know, a straw, I guess in Kiana's case, and she just went off. I don't know. I I've always said to these girls in my commentaries, maybe one to two drinks. I don't know if I would be filming fully drunk the way that a lot of people are. I mean, this fight definitely happened because everyone was super intoxicated. You could just see it on the video. Everyone is intoxicated. People are falling that aren't even included in the fight. I mean, it's just a mess. The grand dame is bobbing and weaving in the background, trying to, you know, make sure her blonde wig stays out of it. It's just a lot, you know, it's a lot. And I just don't want like Real Housewives turning to love and hip hop. Because, you know, I'm here for the shade. I'm here for the opulence. I'm here for the yacht parties. I'm here for, you know, she didn't like my crudite. Not, you know, I fought that girl in the back of the bar. And how is this going to affect Wendy? Because Wendy's supposed to be super educated, classy, you know, above it all. And then the girl that she brings onto the show ends up scrapping with Deborah. (laughs) the ghetto. I am really looking forward to the next season of Potomac though. (laughs) Side note. (laughs) All right, let's get into the next topic. Blogger Ken Barbie versus JT. Now, you know, we love Ken Barbie over here. Um, he does all of the celebrity posting and just gives it like a funny twist. You know, he's also cool with Cardi B and has been to several of her events, but I think for the most part, the girls try to keep it real. I know Cardi B has extended invites to like Jason Lee, Armand Wiggins, and, you know, Ken Barbie. And it's just like her way of saying, you know, thank you for covering and keeping me relevant, whether it's positive or negative or not. Like you talking about me keeps my star shining. That's why I assume that she invites them. But I know other people have other thoughts, but I feel like a party every now and then isn't crazy. It's not like she's paying them. Um, but you know, maybe it does create some type of impartiality, but I think Ken has also said this, that he feels like you're not coming here for an unbiased opinion. You're coming here for my opinion. And of course, everything that I am talking about is my opinion based on my experiences. So you're coming here for my commentary and my opinion. And I honestly believe that like we had a, I had an episode about that. I think Oof, season three or season two? Y'all spend a lot of seasons. Uh, <laughs> season two or three, I think I said I had an episode about that where um talking about how, you know, you're coming for a biased opinion because you want this opinion of this person and this person's opinion is most likely going to be biased. But anyway, into the topic at hand, Ken Barbie um, tweeted out a photo of Ice Spice wearing a princess uh, diamond choker necklace. And he basically said, oh, Ice Spice already has her princess collar. Now, this is in reference to certain female rappers 
rappers now being labeled, you know, Nicki Minaj's lapdogs. I think this all kind of started with Nicki Minaj doing the Super Freaky Girl remix, right? She had about five or six female up and coming female rappers on that uh, track. And one of them was JT. And Nicki, you know, just began to develop this relationship with JT more than the other girls. Cause there was other girls. Bia was on it. Um, I'm like blanking at who else was on it, but there was like five or six other women on the track. And I think JT and Nikki really, you know, took a liking to each other because out of the city girls, you know, we all know JT is the more lyrical city girl and she's the one that takes rap more seriously. Whereas young Miami's like, I was trying to feed my kids and, you know, it was something that was working for us. And I also want to get into podcasting. I also want to get into, you know, like brand sponsorships and like different things that uh, Carisha wants to do that JT's less interested in because she's more interested in rap, right? So she gets on this remix with Nicki Minaj, you know, she's all excited about it, whatever, what have you. Her and Nicki Minaj start doing some lives and you just start to see like JT's loyalty kind of shift over to Nicki Minaj. Now the gag is her band member and longtime friend Carisha and Nicki Minaj kind of have a frenemy situation going on because... Carisha's cool with all the rap girls, right? They come onto her podcast. She just genuinely seems like she gets along with the majority of them. The city girls have had a song with Cardi B. Um, Carisha's had Lotto on her podcast, right? She's had Megan Thee Stallion on her podcast. And these are all people that are rumored to now have an issue with Nicki Minaj. So it's basically like the girlies are picking sides on you know, where they're going, but it's only because certain people don't allow, um, for the girlies to be friends with everybody and still work with them. Right. So now let's fast forward. So the whole issue with the BET awards, JT, um, obviously has an issue with her boyfriend, which is, which is to me appropriate that she took it up with her boyfriend. I don't think she needed to get ice spice involved in that situation. And she didn't. And so she got on her boyfriend because she had an issue with her boyfriend and his shouting out of ice spice. Then, um, Nicki Minaj, you know, doubles back on her relationship with JT and they go live again directly after the BET awards and all that JT throwing a phone at Uzi and all this stuff. Nicki Minaj goes on to, um, promote her verse on Uzi's, uh, pink tape album. And then she goes live with JT. And she basically just, you know, confirms their relationship like there's no smoke between them, even though, you know, obviously Nikki is really heavy on Ice Spice right now. So it's just like, it's a lot going on, but long story short, it appears that Ice Spice and JT are now in competition to be the princess under Nicki Minaj who is the queen of rap. So now it's like everybody's saying Ice Spice is next up and she's the princess. And then JT was also deemed the princess by Nicki Minaj. But this is before Ice Spice really blew up that she was making these comments towards JT. So that's where all that long background is why um, Ken Barbie made the tweet referring to 
um, Ice Spice getting that princess choker necklace and then that um, JT would feel some type of way about it. Now, he called it a collar, right? So then JT is now saying that Ken Barbie is comparing her to a dog because of the lap dog scenario of all these rap girls running behind Nicki Minaj um, and basically doing her dirty work, right? Because Nicki Minaj wants to feel like you know, wants to put the air out that she doesn't care about it. She's not into beefs. Like none of these girls could be for her because she's the queen, et cetera, et cetera. So she sends, you know, her minions out to do her dirty work or whatever. So then JT is immediately um, responding and she's like, oh, it's just funny that people outside of the community start to call us dogs and reference us to dogs. Now, Kim Barbie is light skinned, but is actually, he did say that he is, is black. He's 100% black and that he's not mixed. So that kind of fell flat. And then JT started to go at him for um, insulting, like, you know, black women and, you know, men, you know, coming after black women. Honestly, I feel like it was a, a tweet that was supposed to be like a little fun shade and JT took it to heart because the truth of, the truth hurts. And the truth of the matter is before Ice Spice blew up, JT was in line to be Nikki's protege and the princess, according to Nikki, of rap, right? And then Ice Spice comes out. Nikki realizes like this could be a great opportunity for me if I start to collab with Ice Spice. And she does. She starts to collab with her. The collabs are going well. Princess Diana streamed a lot. Um, and then, of course, they have the Barbie World um, single that's doing really well. So this is all things that are helping both of their careers. And I think JT is looking at this like, I want a feature with you. Like, I want something individual, not just a remix with like 20 other female rappers. I want something specific with just you and I. Um, so that's why I think this whole narrative came about. I don't think that Ken was threatening her. I don't think that he was coming for her because she's, you know, a black dark skinned woman. Like, I don't really think any of that. I think it was just more so her loyalty, um, to Nicki Minaj when I, when Nicki Minaj is obviously really, really pushing Ice Spice, um, to be her prodigy and not JT anymore. So I hope that wasn't too confusing, <laughs> but it is a very, it's a lot that goes into it. I just feel like in this world, there are so many people that are actually demeaning black women and black culture that I just don't like when people, you know, raise the dog whistle for items that are not in that category, in my opinion, because it takes away from the true issues. There are a lot of people out there that are truly targeting black, dark skinned women. Um, and I don't think that Ken Barbie is one of them. So I just don't like when people do that because I feel like it takes away from the real issues and the people that are really out here, you know, facing, uh, these hardships. And it's, it's not a joke. It's not shade. It's not a game for them. Like they're really going through that in their lives. You know what I mean? So let's just keep it at wrap. That's how I feel about that. All right, let's get into the next topic here. The new era of Roni, Real Housewives of New York. Now, let me tell you, I watch on Peacock, so you guys know I will not be able to, you know, break off my opinion the night of, but I will watch it the next day on Peacock. And I really did enjoy um, this new group of women. 
when I first saw them, I was just like, ugh, you know what I mean? Because I really thought that they were trying to do something like what they did in Dubai and just throw in a beautiful chocolate model and just still have the same dynamic. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're we're diverse now because we have a beautiful dark skin model. It's like, oh my God, that is not diversity, right? You can't have a bunch of white New York socialites and then throw in one model that is of darker chocolate skin and then be like, woo, we have diversity. But I will say I did watch it. I did give it a chance. And after watching it, I was like, no, this is not what I thought immediately because some of the women um, have a similar skin tone, but they are not the same ethnicity. So that was pretty cool. So then you have you have Aaron, who is a Jewish woman. Then you have um, Ube, which I said, you know, she's a beautiful um, African model. And then we have Sai and Giselle or Jessel. I think it's pronounced Jessel. Sai looks like a light skinned black woman. Again, I'm just going off of what I can tell from here because we haven't really learned about the characters that much, but she looks like a light skinned black woman. And then we have, um, Jessel who looks like she may be, um, you know, Middle Eastern, somewhere around there. Um, and then we have Jenna, who is just, it looks like, you know, regular Caucasian. Um, and I like the cast. I really like the, oh, and then we have Bryn, who's also Caucasian. You know, I thought Bryn was something else because her skin is so tan. I was like, is Bryn also biracial? But her, all her specs said that She's not biracial. She's just tan. And then her hair is also very like thick and it looks like it might be naturally curly, but she straightens it. I don't know. I was confused by Bryn, Um, but I like her and I like the cast. I think this is what we needed for New York for sure. I think taking a few people out, leaving original cast members in wouldn't have worked for New York because they're so entrenched with each other over the years. And I think giving Luann and, um, who was that Sonia their own show? Yeah. Let them go and do Lake Chappie. Let us have a real, real housewives of New York. This feels more New York to me and that, you know, I grew up as a tri-state girly. So I really do like this, this feels more New York to me. This definitely, I mean, of course they're upper crust, whatever, more money, whatever, but it does feel more of a mix versus literally like all just white socialite housewives. It was just giving alcoholism and racism. I'm not going to lie. The old housewives was just the combination of them. And then what kills me about them is too, like you would see them on, um, ultimate girls trip and separately they're not bad, but together, ugh, like it just was not giving what it was supposed to give. So I'm excited for them. The only person I kind of feel bad for is Ebony. Cause I think Ebony got a raw deal with the cast that she was thrown into. You know what I mean? I think she would have thrived a lot more in this cast, but I think I get, you know, that she was just like, yeah, I'm over it at this point. Um, because of what she went through with the old cast, but I feel like Ebony would have definitely found, um, more fun and kind of community with this group of girls versus the group of girls that she was thrown into, you know?
All right, so that's New Era at Roni. I will continue to watch and report back. Um, Carly Russell was found. So over the last week, a uh, black nursing student, Carly Russell, went missing right off of the highway. And it was highly publicized. Her family pleaded that people would uh, post and retweet and talk about it so that, you know, the authorities would go out and really try to find Carly. And uh, Carly was actually returned to her home, um, which is a blessing. And everybody was happy that she was returned safely. She then went to the, um, she was in shock when she was returned home. She then went to the hospital for more testing and now the family is asking for privacy. And a lot of people have a lot of different conspiracies about what happened to Carly, if she was actually abducted, if she wasn't abducted, if, you know, she was taken, but then brought back because of the publicity and they didn't want any issues, you know, this outfit that had, um, allegedly taken her. I will say this, the family wants privacy at this time. I think Carly will come out and speak for herself when she's ready or make a statement through the police department. But I really want you guys to understand, like people go through traumas, people need to keep certain things private to themselves. It doesn't always mean that they're lying. And I just think that there's so many narratives swirling around that she's lying right now. And obviously, whatever happened to her, she might have had a psychotic break. She might have had something going on with her mental. She might have had something going on from being a student. It's not always easy to be in these programs, you know, and and schooling and things like this. So she may have had a lot of different things going on. I know everybody wants to speculate as, you know, I was speculating Everybody wants to speculate and that's fine, but I just feel like calling her a flat out liar right now is unwarranted, especially because she was missing for 48 hours and something definitely happened to this girl. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what was happening. They may have tried to take her for trafficking or any type of crazy, you know, terrible purposes and they just turned around and returned her for the sake of the fact that she was getting so much publicity in the media. So you don't know what, you know, just because she was returned home safe doesn't mean that something dramatic or traumatic didn't happen to this young woman. So I think we should all just pause and wait for more information. And as it comes out, I will be keeping you guys posted. All right, let's get into the next topic here. Jordan Woods and Kylie reunite. So the pops were out. They were getting their pictures for the weekend or whatever. And Jordan Woods and Kylie come out of what looks like a little, you know, girls dinner. Now, this is a restaurant that's frequented by the paparazzi. People go here to get photographed, right? So this is definitely something um, that the women wanted to be shown to the media that they were talking again. And I honestly feel like this has to do with the Kardashians low ratings. I mean, Courtney had her wedding, she got pregnant and still the ratings, um, for the Kardashians on Hulu have not been doing as well as Hulu or probably, you know, Chris and everybody who planned the show intended. So it looks like what's going to happen 
is they're going to have Jordan try to come back into the mix, maybe have Chloe in there and see if that can kind of drum up some drama and some more viewers. Honestly, I don't know. I hope that, you know, they keep Jordan off of the show. I hope that this was a genuine um, reunion because Jordan had been through so much with Chloe. I mean, being a teenager or right over a teenager and having an adult woman kind of come at you um, all guns blazing over her relationship when her relationship had faltered before and then faltered again, even after Jordan really was a lot. And I, I never really understood, like, I understand Chloe, like wanting to have a family, but I never understood why Chloe went so hard at Jordan when Tristan had cheated on her before and then continued to cheat on her and have, you know, kids on her and everything else. And she just never had that smoke for Tristan. So Ugh, that was that, but I do think that the reunite the reunion was for the um, Kardashian show. Um, but I deep down would have hoped that maybe it won't be, and that the women can actually reconcile on a deeper level. Um, but yeah, they have been friends for a long time, and they grew up together. So I I really am hoping um, that this just wasn't for show. And then the last topic here, Sexy Red, famous rapper uh, from Poundtown, is under fire for using the middle finger at a high school performance. So Sexy Red was asked to come in by this high school and perform for the kids. And when she kind of entered the gym, she flipped the bird and started throwing symbols and stuff like that. I think that's how she usually starts her performances, but I don't know if that could have been toned down for a high school um, some people were wondering why she was even at a high school to begin with. I guess the high school had reached out to her and it does look like some type of like, you know, charity performance. They probably gave her what they could, but she basically did it for the kids. You know, I will say the kids are going to listen to the music regardless of if, if it's appropriate for them or not. I just don't know if school is the best setting for Sexy Red. Like if you go and sneak and listen to the song or you make TikToks to the song at home, I think that's different than having um, such an adult performer come to a school. You know what I mean? I feel, you know, it just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do the parents think about this? I would love to know what the parents um, that listen to T-Talk think about this because I, for one, don't really know. I'm not a parent myself yet, so I don't really know like what you guys would deem appropriate. But to me, it just doesn't seem like even I know the children have interest in the music and they're going to listen to it anyway, regardless of if it's appropriate for them or not. But I just don't know if the school should be reinforcing that, in my opinion. I like Sexy Red. I think she's great for adults, but I don't think that she should be going to high school talking about you know, thugging with my rounds, I'm going to pound town. Like, I think that's a lot for, um, (laughs) high school kids to kind of be like singing in the background, um, as she's performing. So yeah, it's just my opinion on that. All right, y'all, this has been our, um, trending topics for this week. It was a little longer. So hopefully you guys like that. Um, and stay tuned for our sports report with J-Rob coming up next. Hello, hello, hello out there, and welcome to the Sports Update with J-Rob. Today I'll be covering both the NBA and the NFL. 
Let's get started with NBA news. Dallas Mavericks star guard Kyrie Irving has signed a five-year endorsement deal with Chinese brand Anta. Golden State Warriors guard Klay Thompson and Charlotte Hornets forward Gordon Hayward are also clients of the brand. Also, the NBA Board of Governors have ruled that players that flop in games will be given a technical foul and fined $2,000. The fine amount will increase for repeat offenders. Also, Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James has confirmed that he will play his 21st season for the Lakers. James was unsure on whether he would retire or not after the Lakers were swept by the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals of the playoffs. Now we're going to move to NFL news. New York Jets defensive tackle Quinnen Williams has signed a four-year, $96 million contract extension to stay with the Jets. Also, the New York Jets will be featured on HBO's Hard Knocks for the 2023-24 NFL season. And finally, in NFL news, two former NFL coaches, Tom Coughlin and Mike Shanahan, are among the semifinalists for the 2024 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls as head coach of the New York Giants in 2007 and 2011, and Mike Shanahan won two Super Bowls as head coach of the Denver Broncos in 1997 and 1998. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have an amazing week. All right, T-Crew, let's get into my favorite part of the podcast, the deep dive. And today we're going to be talking about the strikes all over the entertainment industry and how it even can affect podcasters. Um, So basically, there's two strikes that are going on right now. The initial strike was the Writers Guild um, went on strike and they are going on strike to protest the streaming uh, figures, how they get paid for streaming content, um, which is basically, you know, anything on Hulu or anything on Netflix. But now with all these multiple different um, apps, it's like their commissions and their um, what they get paid has changed drastically. So to understand like streaming, I guess you have to understand how they were originally paid. So what used to happen is writers would work in a writer's room, they would create a script, and then they would also be on set to do any last minute changes. If they had to add a joke here or do something there, they were available. And it was basically like writers were attached to these large budget um, network shows and then cable shows, right? So that initially it was networks and then it came down to, um, to cable. So when people would write for these big projects, it's like, even if it was a movie and it wasn't a TV show, you would still be on set. You would still, you know, write, and then you were paid for the writing and then your help on set. So this booking a movie or booking a show would really help writers because they were getting paid, um, you know, an adequate salary for, for their work, for their writing versus, and then, you know, even on the back end, uh, if the show did well, everyone would get paid and, um, compensated 
for the show doing well, right? So you have people that wrote on, you know, Seinfeld or like classic shows like that. And then every month they would get royalties for the show being in syndication and the show, you know, just constantly being in rotation. They would get compensated for that because it's playing on TV again. So you would continuously get checks every time your work is shown on TV. So back in the day when streaming first started, I think they were like, let's get a hold of this because if we don't, it could really cause people to not be able to get compensated properly when streams happen a lot more frequently than replays on TV and uh, syndication. So when you see a replay on TV, it's easy for them to quantify it. Okay, we played this Seinfeld rerun at 12.30 on Monday morning and it ran for 21 minutes and everybody involved is gonna get a royalty check for $5 for this replay or whatever the case may be, right? So it's just easier for them to get the numbers together. When it comes to streaming, because it's so much more frequent, I think they never really assumed that streaming would take off and take over the way that it has. So now you can put something up on Netflix, put something up on Disney+, Plus, you know, anything where it's scripted and they would require writers and the writers are not adequately being paid for the amount of streams that are taking place and the money that's being generated for the streaming platform. It's like everybody's getting paid except the writers and in some cases the actors. We'll get to that in the other one, in the second strike. Um, So this is what the uh, Writers Guild is striking for. They want the streaming services to take some accountability and then also for the streaming um, profits to be handed down appropriately. You know, people at the top shouldn't be making millions of dollars when the writers and the people that put the shows together are not making that kind of money. Okay. So the actor strike is a little different. This is through SAG-AFRA and this is a union that does not only represent um, actors It also represents dancers, photographers, DJs, uh, podcasters, uh, right? Any performers um, that are subject to possibly being taken advantage of. So I just want to put this out there before I even get into the actors, because I think a lot of people are like, okay, writers, they probably don't make enough. They're behind the scenes. Um, You know, their strike makes sense. But actors, actors are rich. Actors are millionaires, actors are this, actors are that. Why are they striking? Well, I like this statistic because it really shows like that it's not all actors, right? Only 2% of actors um, that belong to the union of SAG actually can live off of their art. So only 2% are making enough money to truly live and work as actors. Everybody else has multiple jobs to be able to be actors because that's what they really want to do um, or performers or whatever they are. They only 2% of them can actually afford um, to live off their art and acting be their main job, right? And that's important to note because it's like, you know, they're not 
being greedy when they're saying that we need equal pay, especially for the streaming services. So this also goes back to actors being on streaming projects, movies, TV shows, etc., and the show streaming. So most of the time, actors and writers um, will get money up front, right? And this money is to actually complete the project and do the work. I think where a lot of the issues lie is the residuals. So residuals is, is what comes after the work. So everybody does their job. The project is put out. People are compensated for their time. Fine. Now we're on to the second stage of the creation process because as people watch, as people stream, as people, you know, rewatch the content, somebody is getting money from that, right? And it's usually the streaming platform or the production company, but it's not the people that actually put it together. And they're saying, we deserve to have a piece of that pie as well. Yes, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, but we deserve to have a piece of what we actually created. We shouldn't be having pennies on the dollar when it comes down to our shows being hits. You know, shows aren't always hits. Sometimes pilots come and go, you know, movies come into the theaters and flop and they don't really make a lot of money. But when something actually makes money, it shouldn't only make money for the production company and the streaming platforms. It should also make money for those that invested their time, effort and creative gifts into the platforms. So this is what the strike is really about. The fact that after the fact, there needs to be some type of set standard on what the creative teams and the actors are going to be getting on this project if it's a hit. And it streams a lot, you know, um, this is definitely going to create uh, so many problems for the entertainment industry. Writer strikes always create terrible shows. The writers are the backbones of the shows. I mean, you have nothing if you don't have a good book, um, or a script, a book is what the insiders call it. Um, <laughs> you're nothing if you don't have a good script, if you don't have, you know, those witty jokes or that, you know, just insight into what makes something a really watchable or really like worthwhile project. Like if you don't have that, you don't really have anything. And then of course you have the talent of the, um, costume designers and the actors and the lighting people and the sound people, the videographers, um, the photographers that come in and take still photos of, uh, the productions as they're being take, as they're taking place for um, promo values and things like that. So there's a lot of people that go into our favorite shows and making them what they are. And I just feel like upcoming, they should just cancel like upcoming fall TV. Cause it's like, I don't even want to watch my regular shows if the writers weren't involved. You know what I mean? I love me some law and order. I love me some, um, What's another scripted show that I really like? Oh, I like The Company this season. Um, so there's a lot of shows that really rely heavily. I mean, all of them rely heavily on uh, the writers and the actors um, to pull it together. So this strike started, I think, July 13th for actors. And then the Writers Guild was already on strike since like the week before. Um, and it's going to cause a lot of issues in entertainment, you know. Uh, I hope it's over soon, but it looks like the powers that be said they would drag out, um, the strike until people are losing their homes. 
And I just felt like that was a terrible sentiment um, to basically say, we're not going to pay you anymore. And if you continue to strike, you're going to lose everything. That is terrible. And I hope they have a change of heart as this gets more into the public eye. And that's why I'm doing this deep dive just to do my little part. I mean, I couldn't review all of these TV shows and um, even like non-scripted television where uh, actors host, you know, like when Sean Robinson hosts the tell-alls and stuff like that. I wouldn't be able to comment on all this entertainment if it was not there. And so I just wanted to do my little part to support the strikes, both the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA, um, and stand with you as you get the compensation that you deserve. Um, this is the seat. This is the conclusion of this deep dive. Um, let me know what you guys think in the comments. What should they be saying? I know what they have been saying. Um, but what should they be saying to, uh, these writers and these actors? How can we properly compensate these people? What should a stream cost, right? Let's get into that. What do you guys think about that? Let me know in the comments and we're going to move on now to the outro comments. Stay tuned. All right, T-Crew, we have gotten to the end of the podcast, my least favorite part where I have to say goodbye to you guys. I just want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast, sharing the reels, um, all that you do to help grow this little community. As always, convict the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she rightly deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are, and I love you for listening. Bye.